We begin this, the, the book of Devarim this week. The Ramban explains that the book of Devarim, this fifth book of the Torah, is really given, Hashem gives it to Moshe to do by Rashut. Whether Moshe wanted to have a fifth book or not was up to Moshe. Really, we could have ended the Torah with the four books. Last week, we really ended all the stories. Whatever mitzvot that will appear in Devarim could have just appeared in the rest of the Torah. But Devarim was Moshe's choice. Because Devarim is basically a long speech that the question is, did it need to be included in the Torah or not? Especially considering that the first three parshiot, Devarim, Ba'etchanan, and Ekev, almost everything we hear in those three parshiot, we already heard already. Everything is repeated from what we heard from the time of Yitro, from the parashat Yitro, through the 40 years of the desert. There's a few items added, but overall, it's the same stories, just Moshe repeating. So, the, uh, Moshe really begins after we receive the Torah, we built the Mishkan. Hashem tells us that uh, enough in the desert, go and capture the land of the Emori, conquer Eretz Israel. So Moshe is recounting the story of the, of the spies. That's the beginning of, of this week. The rabbis explain that the land of Israel, the greater Israel, contained ten nations. Abraham was promised at first all ten, but seven would be given initially, and three at the time of the Mashiach. The three of the time of the Mashiach are Ammon, Moab, and, and Edom. So that's the two children of, uh, of Lot, and Edom for Esav. says, but now Hashem is sending them for whatever reason, and he uses Aleresh. He tells them basically you could capture the whole country just by walking. No fighting. This is the time of the Meraglim. Just walk and you don't have to fight. So now Moshe, is, Moshe now in repeating the story, he blesses the nation and he says to them that Hashem, uh, Hashem your God blessed you like the stars of the heaven. The stars of the heaven. So what reason do we, t- that do we have that he begins the story of the spies by telling the people, Hashem blesses you like the stars of the heaven. So he goes through the first story. He tells them the tragedy of the story of the spies. He repeats the story. Maybe the reason he's repeating the story is because now it's a new generation. We're 40 years later. We're ready to go into the land. He tells them now that you asked me to send spies. So he changes the story a little bit from what we saw initially. He sends the spies, they give a bad report, the people cry when they hear the report, and Hashem says he's fed up with the people, they're not going into the land, and everyone who's there will die. Now Moshe Moshe says that, he adds a little more, he says that what happened after you heard that Hashem says you're not going into the land, you're all going to die in the desert, what did the people do? He says the people did teshuvah. They said to Moshe, we're ready to go into the land. Forgive us, let us go into the land. Moshe tells them, don't go. What do they do? They arm themselves. They decide to go anyway. And they get killed. The question is, everyone knows. The question is, Teshuvah breaks all the Gezerot. The gates of tears are never closed. So Moshe is telling the story of the spies. Look what happened, he says. He says, you went... And we, we sent the spies, the spies came back, they told you the Who stories. Sent the spies? M- Moshe sent the spies. Why would Moshe have to send spies? So Moshe is, when, when Hashem tells him, this is your land. So Moshe, so, so Moshe is sending the spies because the people asked Moshe to send the spies. So why is Moshe listening to the people? Because he's afraid that if he says, no, I'm not going to send the spies, they're going to think maybe there's something wrong with the place. So Moshe is caught between the two sides. 
the people come to Moshe and say, listen, we're going to go into the land, let us know what it's about. And then Moshe sends the spies. So that's what he's saying now. You told me to send the spies. So I asked Hashem, he said, if you want to send them, send them, but not for me. For you. Send for you. Shalach Lecha, right? So send them for you. So now Moshe says that after Hashem told you you're going to be punished, what do the people do? They cry, they do Teshuvah. So why doesn't Hashem forgive them? No, no, the first they cry, first they cry because they're afraid. Then when Moshe tells them the punishment, he says in this week's parasha that you said, no, we're going to listen, we're going to, we're going to do whatever Hashem wants, we're going to go up. Who is this Hashem? That seems like a person. Ah, but that we have to leave. <laughs> so, so he says, he says, why, he says, why, why isn't Hashem accepted? Because you have, you know, why isn't the Teshuvah of Hashem accepted if they truly regretted? And the question then is, why are we repeating the story a month before Moshe is going to die? Why does he have to repeat the story? And if he needed to repeat the story to the people who were there, why does the Torah have to include the fact that he repeated the story? Why is Hashem so upset with the spies? He says, or better, why is Hashem upset about the people, with the people? Now imagine you send 12 guys, they're all big rabbis. Ten of them come back and tell you, no, we can't go. So what's the people supposed to do? He comes home. What happened, honey? Well, I was there with Moshe and he sent 12 guys and 10 guys says, we absolutely can't go and they're all big rabbis. Two guys say we can't, but what am I supposed to do? So what's, he supposed to, what's the guy supposed to do? Is he not supposed to be afraid? Is it really the person's fault? And Hashem is upset. They don't want to go. They cried. And so Hashem says, you cried on that night. Forever on that night, you're going to cry. Why? Why forever that, that night you're going to cry because they cried that night? What does the crying of that night have to do? That history has to constantly play again on that night as a terrible night or a terrible day. So the Gemara tells us there's five calamities that befell B'nai Israel on Tisha B'Av. What are the five? The first one that the Gemara says is this. During the time of the Moshe, the spies went and they came back and they gave their report. What do you mean? That's not a calamity that befell B'nai Israel. That's a mistake that they made. It's not something that happened to them. It's something they did. It's not, right? It's not something that happened. It's not like a punishment. They did it. It's something we did. We said we don't want to go to Israel. So you need to understand why is that one of the five. The next one is the first temple is destroyed by Babel. The next one is, the third one is, the second temple is destroyed by Rome. Why? Because we cried. But what does the Churban have to do with crying about the spies? What does the temple have to do with crying about the spies? Spies say they wanted to stay in the desert with Hashem. They wanted to stay learning Torah under the, with Moshe. They wanted to stay underneath the clouds. So who says they didn't want to bet HaMikdash? They already built the Mishkan. Remember the whole reason Hashem's telling them to go is you have the Mishkan, now time to go. So he's no, we're happy with our own Mishkan. So why destroy the Bet HaMikdash? Because they didn't want to go into the land. Why is destroying the Ben HaMikdash related to not wanting to go into the land? The fourth one is Bar Kokhba's revolt. Bar Kokhba is crushed by the Emperor Hadrian and the city of Betar is destroyed. Now remember, Rabbi Akiva thought that Bar Kokhba was the Mashiach. According to Rambam, he could have been the Mashiach. So it was a, it was a terrible tragedy. Many people were killed. They, they piled the bodies on top of each other. But why Tisha B'Av? What does this have to do with the fact that they cried in the desert? And what does this have to do with the destruction of the temple? There's other terrible things that happened. Why is this specifically related? 
Now we say other terrible things that happened, the Spanish Inquisition. So we say the Spanish Inquisition, 1492. Again, why does the Spanish Inquisition have anything to do with the rejection of the land? Right? With the crying then. World War I broke out on, uh, on, uh, on Tisha B'Av. So again, the same question. What does it have to do with it? And finally, the fifth one that the Gemara brings. What's the fifth one? The fifth one is that Turnus Rufus, the uh, Roman, uh, Roman general, right? He, he took the top of the Temple Mount and he plowed it. Okay, so he plowed it. Where's the huge tragedy? It was already destroyed for uh, uh, 50, 60 years. So he plowed the top. Okay, so you want to rebuild? You have a flat surface to build on. What, what's the tragedy? The temple was already gone. Why is this counted as one of the five terrible tragedies that occurred because we cried on the night of Tisha B'Av when the spies came back? What does one have to do with the other? So I thought maybe because at that time Jerusalem was renamed and they turned it into Abu Dazaran. They didn't let Jews come back. But still, it doesn't really have so much to do with the spies. And what does it have to do with the Ben Amitash? Now, we go through this period of time. We have the three weeks. We have the nine days. We have the week of Tisha B'Av, which this year we don't have because Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbat and it's pushed to Sunday. We have the day before Tisha B'Av, generally when you know the last meal, what you can do, what you can't do. We have the day of Tisha B'Av with the five restrictions, fasting like Yom Kippur, all the rules like Yom Kippur. We have the day after Tisha B'Av where we still can't eat meat and wine, etc., etc. So all these restrictions. Okay, what do we have to have all these restrictions for? We understand it was a terrible thing that the Mikdash was destroyed. But what is the purpose of all of these restrictions over all of these Periods of time. So those are the questions we're going to... Generation to generation. Yeah, never stop. So we're going to try to understand, we're going to try to put it together and try to paint a single picture. One more. The Gemara Menachot and the, the, the Midrash elaborates more. And it talks about, I have the whole Gemara quoted, that, uh, that on the night of the, basically I just summarized it, the night of the destruction of the Mikdash. The second or the first? the first Mikdash, it says that Hashem sees Avraham walking through the Ber HaMikdash. This is the Midrash and this is in the Gemara. Avraham is walking through the Ber HaMikdash. Now the fact is we have a lot of stories of Avraham coming back. There's a lot of stories the Midrashim bring about Avraham. Haram Moriah. So we have one story, for example, that there's in, in, the, uh, in Hebron, by Marana Machpelah, there's a synagogue called the Abraham Synagogue. And we have one year in the Middle Ages, uh, they bring a story that they couldn't get a minyan on Rosh Hashanah. They only had nine guys. And what happened? All of a sudden, a man walks in with a long white beard and he spends the whole uh, holiday with them and they're so happy. And Rosh Hashanah ends and they want to come thank him and he whoosh, disappears into the air. Yeah, they have all these stories of Abraham. So here, we have this story in the Gemara. That it says, the night of the destruction of the Mikdash, Hashem sees Abraham walking through the temple. And the Gemara says like this, Why is my friend in the house? What are you doing here? Abraham, what are you doing here? Who told you to come here? So Abraham says, I'm looking for my children. And Hashem says to him, your children sinned. So Abraham says, did they sin on purpose or was it an accident? Can't you give them a break? And Hashem says, no, it was, it was on purpose. It says, but aren't there any sadikim? And they go through back and forth this whole conversation. In the end, the Midrash says, Abraham tore his clothing. The angels began to cry. 
Hashem is very upset, and Abraham returns to Marat HaMachpila. So the question is, why is Rav Ashi putting the story in the Gemara? What's the lesson from the story? It sounds like a nice story, but what do we need it from the Gemara? It takes this much of the Gemara. It's literally a page. Why does Rav Ashi include it? Keep going. Devarim. We always read this perasha before Tisha B'Av. Why? What's the purpose to read this perasha always before Tisha B'Av? And we have a special haftarah that we read Chazon Ovadiah. We read this Chazon, Chazon, sorry, Chazon Yishayahu. Why do we read this, this haftarah? Why do we read this perasha always before Tisha B'Av? So we find the same words. There's a common word. In, we have Megillat Echa that we're going to read on Tisha B'Av. Our custom is to read it at night and again in the morning. We find that the word is Echa is, is repeated a number of times. In this week's Perasha, we have Moshe saying, Echa Esa Levadi, how am I going to deal with these people myself? And in the Haftarah, we have Yeshayahu using the word Echa as well. So because all of these three things have the word Echa, boom! That's why we have to read this perasha always before Tisha B'Av. That's why we have. He says, what are you saying? So the Arizal compares Moshe with Yirmiyahu. He says that Yirmiyahu has a spark of the neshama of Moshe. And you're always going to read, you're reading the last will and testimony of Moshe this week. So you're going to read also from Yirmiyahu. Because it has something to do with Megillah Echa. Megillah Echa is written by Yirmiyahu. Yishayahu is the Haftarah, and, and Moshe is Devarim. So the all three between all of them. So the Arizal explains, when Hashem revealed Himself to Abraham, perhaps the first time, He says that Hashem promises to Abraham the land of ten nations. The land of ten nations. It says the Midrash in the, in the Perashah of Bo. It tells us that Abraham says to Hashem, when Hashem says, I'm going to give you this land of, of, of Canaan, this land of Israel, I'm going to give you this land. Abraham says to him, there's a spot that's a thousand meters by a thousand meters. He says, are you planning to give me that spot as well? Now that spot is within the ten nations. But he says to him, and we know this is Har HaMoriah, this is Har HaBayit. So Abraham says, you're giving me the land of ten nations, but are you giving me this spot as well? He says, because if you don't give me this spot, even if you give me the land of ten nations or seven nations, I don't want nothing unless it includes this place. I don't care about Amon, Moab, Edom. I don't care about anything. So it says, it says the Midrash, Hashem says, okay, I'm going to give you the spot. So he says, we think, the Arizal says, we think there's a mitzvah. To go three times a year to the Mikdash. Someone sins, he goes to bring a sacrifice in the Mikdash. This Mikdash. Is the, is, is the Bet HaMikdash. Bet HaMikdash. It's yeah. the same place where Abraham took Yitzchak. Yes. Har HaMoriah. Right. So the Midrash explains that Hashem calls Abraham Ohavai, my love, the one I love. The first one he loves is Abraham. Hashem loves you. So the Arizal asks the question, why does Hashem love Abraham? And the Arizal explains that Abraham understands that the purpose of man in the universe, he understands what it is. So of course, Hashem's going to love him. 
It says that Abraham understands that a person has to have a love for Eretz Israel. He's willing to go, he's willing to go. But don't we all love Eretz Israel? You know, I speak to people all the time. Someone's telling me, he's going for Sukkot for Israel. He's staying in the Tel Aviv Hilton. He's so happy. He's going to be on the beach the whole week. Everything is fine. He's just going to have a good time. So someone else is going to go up north. Someone else is going to go up north. And he's going to... And someone else told me, you know what? It's not, it's, it starts to get cooler over then. We're going to go down to the Dead Sea. And that, that beautiful hotel with, the, with the, you know, the animals walking in the backyard. And... It says the, the reality is we could love Eretz Yisrael, but the reason we're supposed to love Eretz Yisrael is because Eretz Yisrael contains Haramoriah. Because Eretz Yisrael has the, the power of Eretz Yisrael. The center of the world's holiness is this point on earth, which is Yerushalayim, and then the, 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 the Haramoriah within Yerushalayim. Without, without Har Habayit, there's no reason for us to want Eretz Yisrael. Why? No. No, their philosophy is based on that based on there's a Gemara that says that you can't take the land back on your own. That's their philosophy. That that's it. The Gemara says you can't take it back on your own. And they're following the Gemara. And the fact is that most Orthodox Jews until nineteen forty eight also subscribe to the same thinking. But once we had the Holocaust, we said all bets are off. Because the Goyim didn't respect us, now we don't have to respect, we can do whatever we want. That was, that's the justification, halakhically, to take back Eretz Yisrael by force. What do you mean that they... Yeah. So the, according to the Gemara, we're not permitted to take Eretz Yisrael back by force. We have an agreement with the nations that the nations are going to hold Eretz Yisrael until the Mashiach comes. What happens is most Orthodox, most Orthodox Jews subscribe to that until we, until I'd say until the Holocaust. What they said the excuse of the Holocaust was the reason you could change it was because the Goyim changed the deal. When the Goyim were so bad to us, wanting to annihilate us, then all bets are off, all deals are off. We can go because we need a place to. We need a place because there's nowhere else for us to go. So we, our position is forced and we can go against the, what the Gemara is telling us based on the, the supposedly what Hashem said. It's based on Shir Hashirim. That Hashem, it's, it's, all, it's based on Shir Hashirim. That's what the Gemara is commenting on and that's what the Satmers still hold by. So they have really a very valid argument. Our argument against it is based on we ain't got nowhere else to go. Apparently, they said, look, we made a life in, uh, look, we have New Square, we just made a new town, <laughs> there's another place they just built, uh, more religious in New Square than anywhere in the world. New Square? It's a, it's a town in uh, New York in... Uh, yeah, yeah, Joe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, near in, what, up, I don't know exactly where it is. But up, but toward, by Monroe, no, no, by there, it's, that's a whole Satmar's... There's a whole Satmar's, so to say, a huge city already. So his answer is no. We could live some. We could live in America. But they're in Israel. They're also in Israel, but they're they don't. But they don't. Their their argument is that we shouldn't. We shouldn't be governing the the state. Now I don't know how much of how many of the Satmar are. You know, things starting to get a little uh, right. So so to so to go for he says that. Uh, 
He says, so the, the question is, what, what's the, the love of Eretz Yisrael? The love of Eretz Yisrael is the Ber HaMikdash. Right? The Ber HaMikdash. That's why we have to love Eretz Yisrael, because we want to have the Ber HaMikdash. So now, to try to understand this month of Av, I, I was trying to look at a way to understand it. So the way that, I figured that, to understand... That in itself hmm? is a problem. Today? No, no, the fact that Haramoriah, Harabayit, is Eretz Israel. Right. Because when I think of Israel, Israel, yeah. I, thought, I think of the whole heart of Israel. Right. Not just Jerusalem. Ah, but you're missing the heart. Yeah. That's the problem. So the, the, the heart is... The heart is... Right, right. That, that's the problem. So, so that's... But but that's but you but that's the problem. What the rab, so what the rabbi said. Remember the I, I never forget what the rabbi said. So the rab, remember you listen to them when they when in 1967 when you hear the paratroopers. What do they say? Harabayit beyadenu, harabayit beyadenu. Right? That's what they're saying. Harabayit beyadenu. And what happened the next day? Moshe Dayan took the key and gave it back. When what happened was when the rabbi used to say the Mashiach was coming, the Mashiach was coming on the donkey. He was riding in on the donkey, and, he, and he's watching the Mashiach, and they're unfurling a, a banner. And it says, Yisrael Boteach. And he's so happy. It's going to say, Yisrael Boteach Hashem, right? They open it up, Yisrael Boteach Sahal. He says, ah, he turned around the Mashiach, and he went home. That's the problem. But really, the heart of, of, of Israel is Har Habayit, no matter what. So, in reality, we're still in Galut. In, in essence, there's an aspect of Galut. That's why we're still mourning. Right. So why do we have Tisha B'Av? Right. So, so really... Have some water just... So as far as, uh, as the Sadma are concerned... Yeah. Really, uh, we're still... We're at the same place with them. Yeah. I, 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 look, I would say to the Sadma, it doesn't matter if we're governing ourselves. We governed ourselves in Europe many, many right, times. Right. In little so towns, we're just governing a country. As long as we don't have hard money. Seems. We, 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 but still, so, we control Har Habayit. That's the problem. Sorry? We control Har Habayit even though we don't. You know what I mean? We still control. Our army controls. We could really do... We could lock it up. Okay. But, but, but if you live in Israel... Yeah? If I live in Tel Aviv, I'm in yeah. Galut. If you live in Tel Aviv... I'm in Galut. No, it depends on your focus. It depends on your focus. Where is my focus? Is my focus on the beach of Tel Aviv? Is my focus on that beach? Or is my focus... On Yerushalayim, no matter where I lived. If I lived anywhere in Israel, because the land is divided between the tribes. But where was my mindset? Was it on Shalosh Regalim to go to Yerushalayim, or was it to take care of my farm? That's the question. So here, to try to understand that, I tried to look for an example. So I don't understand art. I don't understand anything about art. For years, I, my company, my company we, we sold... My biggest business was auction. I lived in auction galleries. Not only that, I owned the biggest auction gallery in California, and I was an auctioneer. And I still know nothing about art. Auction oh, I had an auction gallery. I had an auction gallery in Palm Desert, California. It was the biggest, biggest. We we was a big place, and we was whatever. I was a little kid, but I didn't know anything about. I still don't know about art. I saw the cheating side of it. I saw when people would bring a painting and they would bid it up to give it value, and then other people would believe the value. So I never understood. So I started looking at certain paintings. So there's a painting called Interchange by William de Kooning. 
He painted it in 1955, and that painting sold three years ago from one Jewish guy to another Jewish guy for $300 million. Okay, now if you look at this painting, it's an abstract landscape. Abstract landscape means he put it on the wall, took a spray gun, and started shooting colors on the wall. So I look at it and say, I don't understand. Okay? There's another guy. Huh? So there's another one. Look at this one. Jackson Pollock, number 17A. He doesn't even give a name, a name to, the, to the painting. So this one from Jackson Pollock sold for $200 million. My two-year-old grandson could do just as good. Give him some, uh, some paint and his fingers. Huh? $200 million. So I don't... I, right, so I don't understand. That, so that's the point. I don't understand. If you look at the, the art that sold for $100 million or more, at least half of the art of $100 million or more is abstract art which I have no appreciation. Look, show me a Rembrandt, wow, so cool. But, you know, show me a sculpture, I could, but the stuff I just don't appreciate. Yeah, now, just to tell you the other side of this, so, so just, I don't understand it. We hear stories of people buying a house and finding a painting and it was worth $25 million and da 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 So some of us have no appreciation or understanding, but some people have an eye for art. Some people have the ability to see what other people can't see. My wife, for example, roams the streets. She had a company she started at 16 years old called Wearable Art. Still today, she'll find a homeless guy painting on the street, and the next thing I know, he's living in my basement, and he's painting <laughs> paintings. This is true on tape. True. And the painting, she finds guys, and she says, this guy's going to be unbelievable one day. And not only in this country, she was in the middle of Poland, and she found this guy in Poland that brought him to America, and he paints, and he, she, she said that he's unbelievable. So my wife has an eye for stuff that I can't see in a million years. Perfect marriage. <laughs> Perfect, right? So, so, but just me coming home at night and finding these guys living in my basement is just, uh, <laughs> just not normal. Yeah, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind them living in the basement. <laughs> Whatever she picks up strays, my wife. Anyway, so the so so the, the the idea there is you have to have an eye in order to see. You have to have an eye to appreciate certain things. The interesting thing when I was discussing with Victor is that the the idea behind the month of Av is the is the, is the eye is seeing. So the Torah describes the months of the year. In the Torah, we have the first month, the third month, the seventh month. Uh, we have the months based on a number. But what, are the, what do we use? We don't use a number on the month. We use a name. What is the origin of all the names of the months that we have? Babylonian. Babylonian. Out of all the months, only one month has a Hebrew name, the Gemara says. Which month out of all the months of the year has a Hebrew name? Av. 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 Father. Av. Father. Avram. The father of many nations, right? The month is Av. Why all of the months have a Babylonian name, the month of Av is a Hebrew name. So we discussed a number of times, whenever we have on, we, on, on Rosh Chodesh, basically we have Hashem's name is a Yud and a K and a Vav and a K, because maybe you, don't, you, don't, you aren't here, so a Yud and a K and a Vav and a K. Every month on Rosh Chodesh, we take Hashem's name and we use a different permutation of the Yud, the He, the Vav and the He. So for example, the worst month of the year for the Jewish people is... Tammuz. Tammuz is when everything really starts and the whole month of Tammuz is terrible. While Av, by the 15th, everything turns around. So Tammuz, the thought behind Tammuz is 
we turn the name of Hashem behind, backwards. So instead of the Yud, the He, the Vav, the He, it's the He, the Vav, the He, the Yud. On, on Nisan, which is the, the month of freedom, that month we use the Yud, the He, the Vav, and the He. In the month of Av, the thought behind the month of Av is Hashem's name of Havaya, a He, a Vav, a Yud, and a He. And it's based on a Pasuk. And the Pasuk is Hasket Ushma Yisrael Hayom Hazer. Says, it says Hasket. Hasket is what? Listen. Or to really, to, so it's interesting because some of the Mephashim explain Hasket is to look, is to see, to pay attention, right? See and hear, look and listen, right? Hasket Ushmai says, is look and listen. The only time Hasket appears in the whole Torah is this one time. It says that the thinking of this month is Hasket, is to look. Look. You have to have that in mind. So Moshe is telling B'nai Israel, today you became a nation, Hasket. Sephor Noah, he translates it as to draw, Lesayer, to draw. He says the Ari explains, one must have the ability to envision, to see things that aren't there. Hmm? Yeah. Imagination? No. So he says, the Ari says that you, you have this in a dream, and the Ari says you have this in a painting. It's very interesting. He says that uh, the painter has a vision of what he wants to see. He <coughs> says, Bil'am had the power of the eye. People in various fields have a power. You have a real estate guy. He goes and he sees a piece of land somewhere. He looks at the piece of land and he sees a, a building and a this and a that. He's able to see and he develops from what he imagines it could be. You have other people, you have a guy. I remember going with the, with the rabbi. We had the same rabbi. We went to the jewelry one day with a friend of mine. He showed us a diamond this big. It was a raw diamond. Okay, a huge. It was a rock. We looked at the diamond, a raw diamond. It looked like a rock that you found in the dirt. Nothing. You would never, you would never think it's anything. So he was, he was for months talking to different people to see how they're going to think about cutting it. And all these people are dreaming what they're going to do with this rock and how they're going to cut this rock. Are they going to make two? Are they going to make one? How much are they going to lose? The guy who sees the rock and knows how to cut it and turn it into a jewel, he's the guy who has vision. So the Arizal, the Arizal speaks about this month is about people having vision. It says, what does it have to do Chodesh Av? What does it mean sight? And it says, it doesn't mean looking and seeing with your eyes. He says, the idea behind Chodesh Av is that a person, if they have the right Kavanah and Chodesh Av, then the person could have this ability to see. He has the ability from Hasket Ushma Yisrael Hayom, he has the ability to get the gift of vision, the gift of visualization. Excuse me, recording Yeah. Yeah. He says, and I can send you the notes if you want. What must we do? We have to visualize Hashem in the Bet HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to visualize Hashem in the Bet HaMikdash. He says, how do we do this and what does it mean? You have to think we pray this every single day a number of times. He says, ten rabbis, ten spies come back and they say the land is not good for us. Says the Arizal, what's their problem? The problem is their vision, the way they're looking. We say daily, Tishkon betoch Yerushalayim irach, that Hashem Himself should dwell into His city. But we say before Modim, we say, V'techezena enenu b'shuvcha le'tzion b'rachamim. 
our eyes should be able to see your return to Jerusalem with mercy. He says, what does that mean? We read this week the Haftarah, Hazon Yishayahu. Why Hazon? Vision. Everything has to do with ability to see. Your vision must be what? To see Hashem in the Ben HaMikdash. That's what we have to imagine. What are we missing that we're not seeing Hashem in the Ben HaMikdash? We pray it every single day. Every single day we say the words, but do we think about the words that we say? It says, we're called the chosen people. Why are we chosen? Because Abraham was our father and he was chosen. We're the child of Abraham. And we say, Elokeinu velokei Abraham. That's what we pray. We start the Amidah, the God of Abraham. Why is Abraham the first one? Why does Hashem love Abraham? Because it's Abraham who asks to see Hashem in the Ben HaMikdash. It's Abraham who's saying that the most important thing is Har Habayit. That's what the special thing of Abraham is. Says the Arizal, this is the sin of the Meraglim. This is the sin of the spies. He says, whatever excuse, whatever reason, enemies, weather, it doesn't matter. Says Yisrael was not for the weather and it wasn't for the fruit. The reason we were supposed to come into Eretz Yisrael was to have the Ben HaMikdash. It's the place where we could be with Hashem and so to say visit Hashem. We were chosen because Abraham wanted to be with Hashem and that's what we were supposed to do, want to be with Hashem. The Meraglim are crying about Eretz Yisrael, but the goal was nothing to do with that. The goal was simply the Mikdash. The Midrash tells us that the time when we were in Egypt, the last night in Egypt when we had Korban Pesach, the Midrash says that all of us flew to Har Habayit. We had Korban Pesach on Har Habayit, and then we went back. Why was it necessary for the Midrash to tell us a crazy story? We're in Egypt, took us to Har Habayit and brought us back. So if you took us, leave us. Why do we have to imagine that we're on Har Habayit? Because the idea is the visualization of the end game. Because if you want to accomplish something in life, you have to see the result before you begin. So this is what the Ariz is explaining. See all these self-help guys? Forget it, just read from the Arizal and yeah. He says, what did they do? Huh? Yeah, the Tuesday, Tuesday night. Oh, really? This week also. Very strange. So he says when they when they when the spies came back, the people after they felt bad, Moshe told them, You're all gonna die in the desert. So what they do? They bang on their chest, they said, Moshe, we sinned, we're ready to go, we're sorry. He says, but to do Teshuvah, a person has to understand the sin. And the sin wasn't, it wasn't, it was the, the sin wasn't that they cried. The sin was that they were rejecting Hashem. It wasn't that they were rejecting the land. They were rejecting being with Hashem in Yerushalayim. It wasn't Chatanu. It was Maradnu. They were rebelling. It says, with the Ben HaMikdash, we dwell together with Hashem. Without the Ben HaMikdash, the reality is we have nothing. We have nothing. People today say, why are we mourning? We have, but we have nothing. We can't appreciate what we, what we don't have because we don't even understand what we don't have. The Gemara tells us five tragedies. You look at the calendar. You repeat again and again, all the same concept. Why? Because we rejected the Ben HaMikdash. Abraham is, uh, Hashem is asking Abraham, what are you doing in my house? He says, the problem is the people, Hashem is telling Abraham, what are you doing in my house? He says, the problem is the people don't want me. 
Hashem is telling to Abraham, they don't want to be with me. They don't want me. So the question you ask, is Devarim simply a repetition of the stories that we heard before? It seems not. B'nai Israel on the edge of the land, they're ready to go into the land, and Moshe asks the people, are you really ready to go into the land of Israel? Because a person has to know you're going to the Mikdash. We don't visit Israel, we visit to go to see the Mikdash. The Khatam Sofer talks about the earthquakes. So the Khatam Sofer brings up the two major earthquakes that were in Sifat that completely turned the city upside down. Everything was destroyed, including the cemeteries. Every tombstone was destroyed. So all the tombstones that you see today in the cemetery of Sifat are new tombstones. And says the Khatam Sofer, you don't even know if the right guy is buried where they say the guy is buried. You don't know, he says, he says, you don't know if the Arizal is really buried where the stone says the Arizal. He says the whole place was turned over major earthquakes. He says, why? Interesting what the Khatam Sofer is. He says, because Sifat is not Yerushalayim. The connection of all. So, so the Khatam Sofer is, he's saying that, that why, why would this happen? He says because the people wanted to live in Sifat and they didn't live in Yerushalayim. Uh, it's an unbelievable statement to come, but he's an Ashkenaz living in, uh, in Europe. <laughs> yeah, 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 no question, no question. There's many places, but the goal is, the bottom line, yeah, Okay. That, that's the whole way of Yeshu has the... No, I know. <laughs> so, so he said, we say, What's Sion? Sion is really the Ben HaMikdash. The Arizal says that a person has a constant desire that the purpose of the land is the Mikdash. That Abraham looked at the land, he wasn't interested without Har Habayit. We say the word Echa. What is the word Echa? So it's interesting. We have the words Ayeka. So, ayek, so we have one word, Ayeka, is where is the light, but that we're not going to do. Ayeka, he brings the Arizal. He says that when Hashem tells Abraham, Ko this, is how your, this is your descendants going to be, like the stars of the heaven. He says, why does the Arizal say, why does Hashem tell Abraham like the stars? He says, because the stars rule over the world. The stars are above everything. The stars you cannot count. He says, if you want this blessing, Moshe is telling the people, this is what Hashem said. This is what Hashem is saying. He's repeating now that you're going to be like the stars of the, of the heaven. He says, why is he repeating it? Because he's telling them the only way you could do this is to understand your purpose. Every night we're supposed to say Tikkun Chatzot, especially during these three weeks. And if we don't say it at midnight, we say it in the office when we pray Mincha. Everybody, we say 10 minutes before, we say Tikkun Chatzot. He says... We mourn the loss of Mikdash. We say again and again. But we don't understand what it is to lose the Mikdash. The fact is that we're only a Jew because of the Mikdash. Without the Mikdash, we're incomplete. He says... Because the Mikdash... Because the, the whole point is... Vishachanti betocham. Is to have the Shekhinah connected. That we want to be with Hashem. The Torah is wonderful, but we want to be together with Hashem. He says, he says the interesting thing, he talks about the Muslims. He says, what do they want the Mikdash for? He says, the Mikdash doesn't appear once in their scriptures. Nothing. He says, the, the, the Muslims. He says, they have Mecca, they have Medina. What do they need, Yerushalayim? 
It's not once in the Quran, leave it to us. No, they're going to battle to the death for it. Why? Because they know that the, that the, 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 the reality is only har habayit matters. He says that to a person to understand the fifth tragedy, that they plowed the, plowed the, the top of the, of, uh, of the mikdash. He says, because once they plowed it, we don't even know where the, really the spots are anymore. He says, that's what's the, the terrible tragedy. We don't know. We don't know. We point. We go inside the room and they say, yeah, it's opposite there, but who knows for sure. Well, those thousand square feet. Right, we try to plan base. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but you know when you go pray by the inside, there's the synagogue that's all the way inside the wall. There's a small synagogue inside the wall. It's about a thousand feet inside the wall. That's where they have a minyan every morning where it takes uh, three hours to pray shakrit. It's a little, little synagogue. Inside, no, inside the, the wall, inside the kotel. Oh, about a thousand, but a thousand feet in. You, have, you can't go through the, so you can't go through that entrance. You have to go through the, you have to go through upstairs. They have the place where they, where they learn. Through there, it's like the tunnel tours. You can get in there from the tunnel tours. So they have a, uh, they have a, a mikveh. They go in the mikveh at four o'clock in the morning. Then they go through and they pray over there. They finish, it takes them to pray Shahri, sometimes three hours. No, no, not like that. They pray with the Sidur of the Rashash. Every page is one word. One word, one word. How big is it? Could be. Mekubalim, huh? all Mekubalim. You're not allowed in unless you have the two Tefilim. So that's how at least I could get in. <laughs> I get in and I don't know what I'm going to do because I can't pray for one hour Amidah. So I asked my brother once, please explain to me what one word on a page, just show me. Because I have the Haggadah, I have all these things. He goes, very, he goes, it's so, he tells me, it's so easy to understand. This is, so forget it. <laughs> Especially when he said, it's so easy to understand. It's this, this, this. Sorry? Yes. Uh-huh. And when a Jew is in exile, in Galut, our prayer is like passed. Not everything is, goes directly to Hashem. Because we don't live... Right. The angel has to carry it up. They, not, not just that. Some of the three steps forward, a person has to think, really think. I'm stepping into Yerushalayim, I'm stepping into the, 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 the Mikdash, and I'm stepping into the, the Kodesh HaKodeshim. I have to imagine that. So, so what I have is, is, at least at home I have, where I, the place where I pray, if I have to pray at home, I have the, the picture of this place, no, the, of this, this place inside, well, we pray, and the way they actually opened it up to to make a tunnel underground towards where the where the where they believe that the Kodesh Hakodeshim was, and the Israeli government came and closed it closed it up. Actually, um, there's a new synagogue that was built underneath Kodesh Hakodeshim. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So we visited the place, and it's amazing. It's called Charlie Chuba. Uh huh. Ah. How big is it? Tiny. 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 Wow. Yeah, it's like all the way down, and uh, I don't know how he got to do it. Uh huh. Okay. And what, from the other side you come in? I think it's when you go through the tour 
Right. You could see it. Yeah. Ah, I'm curious. Next time. So he says, this is why we have all the laws of the three weeks, the nine days, the week of. He says, all these things are just to remind us that this is what we're missing, this is what we don't have, to remind us that we have to visualize, to remind us that we have to see. So the Ben HaMikdash, this is the power of the eye. From the Ben HaMikdash. He says, it's the gate to see what Hashem wants us to see. This is why we're fasting, this is why no meat, this is why no wine, this is why no music. To remember was a major catastrophe, and that reversed what Abraham was praying for. We recall Yiyeh Zaracha, this is how your children are going to be. But the question is, how are they going to be? Look at us, the purity is low, says the Arizal. He's saying this then. He's saying the dedication is missing, the behavior is poor. He says, don't expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to give you what, what he promised to Abraham. Don't expect a room at the inn. Don't expect someone to leave the lights on for you, he's saying basically. He's saying, don't expect a room in the palace. That's his exact words. The palace was given to Abraham. It should be given to us. But the only way it could be given to us is if we mimic the behavior of Abraham. We mimic the vision of Abraham to see that the most important thing is this, uh, this idea of Harabai. One second. Let's go. I'm it says, if we were asked, how do you translate into your daily life what Abraham Avinu really went, really, really meant? We read this. This is what Hashem tells Abraham. So he says the key is that your children have to act like you with tzedakah umishpat. The key is the love of Abraham because Abraham does tzedakah mishpat. And who is Hashem? Melech Ohev, tzedakah mishpat. The same tzedakah mishpat. The Arizal says when we say hashiva shoftenu, return our judges, who are we referring to? Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The Haftarah that we read this week it ends with these words, Sion and, and the people will return through Siddakah. says the secret is you have to be a person that does like Abraham, Siddakah Mishpat. This is Abraham, He says, This is Abraham, The Hashem loves Abraham, says the Arizal, this is the ticket. He says, To visit Hakadosh Baruch Hu on the Ben Hamikdash, we need to know an Av. Because Av is father, and Av is Avraham, and that's why we say Av Avinu Malkenu. All this can come true during this month of Av. It says the key is, we have to remember this aspect of Hashem during Av, which is Havaya, which is Hasket, is pay attention, right? Look, Ushma, and realize, this is how you become a nation. Har Sinai, Mishkan, Midrash. The Rambam writes at the end of Rambam writes at the end of Bo, the purpose of creation is beta Knesset. Question is, what is he talking about? What does he mean beta Knesset is the purpose? He says, what's the ultimate beta Knesset? The beta Mikdash. He says, if you don't want it, if you want to do it in the kitchen, he says, then the then a person doesn't understand. He says that a person has to understand the purpose is beta Mikdash. So he says, we see Moshe after we built the Mishkan. We're supposed to understand the concept. The Mishkan is where we dwell with Hashem. Now what do we have to do? We have to move it to the place where it's supposed to be. This was what they were supposed to do at the time of the spies. 
says, if we would have done it at that point, there wouldn't have been seven nations and three nations. We wouldn't have had to fight for the land. We would have walked in the land in all ten nations. And Moshe would have been in charge. And Moshe would have been the Mashiach. He says, we reach the level to walk through the land, take it without fighting. The Ramban, commenting on Korach, he says, that they came to Eretz Israel, B'nai Israel, when they finally come in with Yoshua. They come to Eretz Israel, but they forget the concept of why they came to Eretz Israel. How many years did it take them to build the Mikdash after they came to the land? He says, 440 years. He says, what were they doing? He says, everyone was worried about his cow and his farm and his tree, and he wasn't worried about Hashem at all. He says their, their focus went to the wrong place. He says the purpose of coming to Eretz Israel is to build the Mikdash. He says we have to understand the Midrash that says on Tisha B'Av the Mashiach is born. Why? What does that mean? He says because if you mourn, if you mourn the Mikdash, not the burning of the, of the temple, you can go burn something and collect insurance. He says that's not why you're mourning. He says that you're mourning that the purpose of life has to be with Hashem and without the Mikdash, Hashem is so to say the Shekhinah is in Galut. He says we're not mourning the Bar Kokhba revolt. We're mourning the fact that Bar Kokhba wasn't the Mashiach because he could have been. He says the primary reason here that he explains the Gemara, Mashiach is born. He says because Hashem says, you know, you're really mourning, let the Mashiach be born. Bar Kokhba fell, Betar fell, all this on Tisha because all of this relates to the concept of not of, of not having Hashem among us. The purpose, he says, is the Mashiach is going to come to build Bet Bichira. That's, that's how you know he's the Mashiach, because he builds the temple. So what's the Mashiach going to do? He's going to take us to Israel, build the Mikdash. It's not just a nice thing. He says, this is the purpose. This was the plea of Abraham. When we say Magen Abraham, Hashem is the shield of Abraham. We have to, we have to say, Abraham asked, I'm asking just like Abraham. He says, before we finish, whenever we pray, whenever we do anything, we have to visualize. We have to visualize and see through the eyes of Abraham. We have to visualize and see that Hashem is dwelling in the middle. He says, it's very interesting. If you look at it, I, I spoke to a bunch of rabbis, and we had rabbis this week with us. And he says, the interesting thing is, you see every single day, we're coming closer. Bezrat Hashem, this year, uh, where we celebrate Tisha B'Av on Shabbat, we're at Shabbat and we're eating and we're drinking because we push the fast off to the second day. Hashem should be kind to us and He should bring Mashiach Bibarabi Amen.